everybody welcome back to show number 40 that's four zero of the sort of might watch podcast i'm your host neil piper and i've got a guest on today we're going to have a little chat about a few things um you may have heard him on back in paper last week this week don't know when it was don't know when you listened to it but we have tonight mr alex purcell how are you doing alex hey how are you doing neil i'm good 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 you're right yeah not too bad thank you um it's nice to chat to you again just do this yeah. more often yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. This last time we uh, had a proper voice conversation. Oh, probably the photography show was it? I can't remember. Might have been. Or has there been an occasion since then? I don't know. Can't remember. My memory's terrible. <laughs> yeah, certainly not been a. I don't think there's been. There hasn't been an in-person meet since then. Has there? That must have been a photography show, which was what March, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Been a while. Yeah, good to chat to you, mate. Um, right, should we start the show? Yes. Yeah. So, right. What have you been up to recently? You've been doing uh, something interesting with a weird camera that you made, haven't you? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. The um, day to night assignment for the Sunny 16 podcast is, uh, yeah, that, I've been trying to build a camera with um, clock parts to, to have a slowly moving shutter expose a piece of paper over about four hours. Um, yeah. I, I've been following your your build, your build Freddy, the pictures that you've been putting up of the camera and the pictures that you've taken with it, and yeah. it seems like uh, like really complicated camera. It seems like it shouldn't be a complicated camera, but it is a really complicated camera. Does that make sense? Is it yeah. as is it as complicated as it sounds or looks? Well, the, the initial idea was just to have a, a slot in a, a disc attached to the hour hand of. The clock mechanism mm. and just have that slot kind of pass across the paper but not really realizing that you know paper exposing paper with a pinhole especially when the sun is going down you're just not going to get anything as the light disappears <laughs> it's just going to fade to black so i had a few experiments like that where it was just tiny amount of detail and then just fading off to nothing so right. i realized of course you've got to open up the well do something to get more light to hit the paper as the exposure goes on so i've come up with a, a kind of weighted um half of the, it starts off as an arrow slot but as it gets down to the sort of bottom of the arc that it's passing along as, as the sun sets the as it gets towards the bottom one side of the of what forms the slot is hinged and is weighted so that as the the disc continues turning the gap just opens up wider leaving um one side of the slot down at the sort of six o'clock position not necessarily six o'clock is just time so that it will be you know at sundown yeah sure. um and, and then it'll just you know open up a wider and wider gap as the as the night goes on it's not a great solution really because it's still going to mean that that leading edge is going to be very dark wherever it stops because the last bit of the paper exposing won't have had very long compared to the bit that you know just after the sun going down um right. but yeah I've got, I've got one decent exposure out of it but yeah so i've, I've sort of about it just 
kind of looks a bit flat and boring. So right. yeah, I'm gonna need to, need to work on it a bit more. Try and make more of a day-night image. It's very literal sort of interpretation of the theme. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm sure that lots of people come up with um, interesting conceptual stuff, but I just thought no, I'm gonna try and make something mechanical that'll just physically create an image through day to night. So yeah. it's quite a simple idea, really. But well, it, it yeah. sounds like I mean when when I sort of when I heard the challenge as well, it seemed it was the first idea that I sort of thought of a camera that can take an exposure physically from day to night. Yeah. But that was about as far as I sort of got with the thinking. <laughs> I yeah. didn't, didn't really know where to go from there. And then I sort of saw what you were doing. I thought, oh, that looks way too complicated for me. And I, think I just backed, <laughs> out, backed out on the idea. But it started a lot more complicated because initially I, I had a graduated ND filter um, behind the pinholes so that uh, to using the, when it just had a fixed kind of gap, that was the slot in the disc that was passing across the paper. I thought, well, I can ND filter the brighter part, the day part down, and then have it moving over to the clear section um, as as it got darker. So hope, hoping that that would make enough of a difference. But yeah, it, that was it. Didn't really make that enough of a difference. No. So it seems simpler now because it is just this one disc moving around inside. Um, so the so, disc. The disc, just so I can try and picture this, is between the pinhole and the paper. Is that right? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the the pinhole is mounted just above the clock mechanism, which is on the outside of the front of the box. So then, just inside behind the pinhole, then is this, um, you know, so it's like a six-inch diameter circle. Um, yeah. It's, so the so the is the is the image so the image circle that's created from the pinhole onto the paper that covers the entire disc is that am i right in thinking that and then as the disc turns the the slot in it exposes the paper uh, behind it no well the, the the disc is actually quite is very close to the pinhole so um it it travels across i think it's it's within it's from that sort of um what would it be half four until about half seven, that mm-hmm. is just that part of the, um, you know, that that sort of three hours um, that exposes the whole of. I, at the moment, I'm using four by five galaxy paper in there, which is I, I built the box originally for a five by seven, but now I'm just using the lower half of the um, sort of frame that I've built in the in the lid of the box. To right. just put this four by five bit of galaxy paper because it's twenty ISO, which is brilliant. Uh, yeah. So you meant you mentioned with, sorry, you mentioned with Graham that it's a faster paper. Is that a a positive paper or is that still a negative paper? It was kick. It was a Kickstarter. I'm not 100 percent sure of the history of it. I was Sandia Lynch gave me the pack and said, mm-hmm. yeah, you go work work this out, develop it in whatever it should work as a neg- it was a normal negative. But uh, reading into it, it was kickstarted as. Uh, direct positive paper but it was right. not re- it wasn't really it, it was just you you were supposed to buy the chemicals from them as well and, and uh, it was just a reversal process where you'd um expose the paper then i think you develop use the developer then you bleach it i think and then you right. expose it to light again uh, so the bleach removes the silver that's reacted with the light, 
um, and then and you, yeah, you expose what's left before it's then fixed. So that that's how the reversal happens because you're instead of uh, using the fixer to remove what hasn't been reacted the other first time. Not mm -hmm. explaining this very well. Um, yeah. So, but I'm not 100% sure about how that process works. No, I, I think, think that's it. No, I know. Yeah, I think I know. This is it a similar process to the one that Ethan. Uh, camera that's leaving has been sort of touting think, at the moment yeah yeah i think so yeah right yeah. Okay. It, the paper was um originally used in um photo booths if, in russia yeah. so the paper was just existing anyway um so that i think they just yeah don't really know why the, i i assumed that it, the um that the photo booth perhaps used this direct positive method i thought that they'd just taken the whole thing but uh, I was talking to Graham about that, and he laughed and said, "No, the the photo booth wouldn't be a direct positive." Uh, I started telling him that that was the case, and he just mm. pissed at me, saying, no, "That's not right." <laughs> I, I don't thought, believe well, it. No, no, that. actually, no, it would it it wouldn't work like that, would it? Because people would look pretty weird in their driving license, like photos and stuff. It was if it was uh, a paper negative, because the, the you know not reacting to the red light and things, it would make people look pretty bizarre. It would look a bit weird, wouldn't it? <laughs> Yeah, oh, but it's what, but what, to have twenty. Whatever it is, seems to be doing the job quite well. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I'm running out of it now, though, so uh, I'm going to miss that when it's gone because it's been quite good for playing about with pinholes and stuff mm. with it. Is it something that there's a limited stock of? Yeah, I think it was just it. Well, I don't know actually. I, I it was a Kickstarter that I think it they kind of failed. I think the company then tried to do other things but it sort of fell apart quite quickly i'm not really sure what happened but i okay. don't think don't think they're going anymore okay so. i seen i do seem to remember uh, the name galaxy kind of rings a bell with some sort of one 120 film but I, I don't really remember any of the details i seem to remember i'm sure someone on the fpp was talking about it quite a quite a long time ago some sort of right. film but i could be wrong with that no i think that rings a bell as well somebody was telling me something about it yeah that's I think you're right there. I think it was some role film that they were trying to start, but yeah, for whatever reason, it didn't go off the ground, and I think they sort of just disbanded them. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. yeah. Never mind. Okay. So apart from that, you've been building another camera this week, haven't you? Yeah, that's right. I was given. Um, <laughs> you know the one uh, I mean. The full view. The full view. <laughs> the insane. Yeah. It's so when you. I, I just yeah it's um it's such a simple and crap camera really so we had we had um, a, we had a brief instagram conversation about this a couple of days ago didn't we and uh yeah. we come to the conclusion that i think it's probably the ugliest camera ever to have been pressed out of wherever it's been pressed out of and you think it's quite beautiful yeah i've fallen in love with it <laughs> so for, for for listeners that haven't haven't seen um an ensign it's an Ensign Full View is the, the name of the camera. Uh, specifically, uh, the one I've got, or the couple that I've got, and I think the one you've got as well, Alex, is the uh, the Model 2. Um, so it's a, it looks like a damn Cyclops, Alex. It really does. But it's kind of yeah. cute. <laughs> and it's got that big dreamy viewfinder. All right, I'll give you that. So, listen, if you haven't seen one of these... Um, just go and Google um, Ensign Full View. Full View is spelled F-U-L hyphen V-U-E. And you'll see what I mean. And hopefully you won't agree with Alex. But it's it's, base, it's a 120 
roll film um, box camera, essentially. It's fair to describe it as a box camera, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. It's kind yeah. of the 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 first incarnation of it was an actual box, wasn't it? And then the yes is just a slightly more streamlined. Um, streamlined. Yeah, yeah streamlined. Is that, that where you're going to go with? Is it? I'm that's where I'm going. I think it's got. It's kind of definitely connected to the the wonderful Mallard train, or I don't know something very futuristic. Yeah, I see but, that. Yeah, I can see that with the the sort of hump on the top. So yeah, yeah, the 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 Mark One or the original one, yeah, was like you say, um, like a traditional looking box camera um, with a rather large viewfinder on the top and rather large viewing lens on the front and a smaller taking lens underneath it. Yeah. And then in 1946, I believe, uh, the wise people at Ensign decided that they were going to uh, uglify it or beautify <laughs> it, whichever way you want to look at it. And they've they've so they've carved sections away from the top, the top half of it, and put yeah, well, it looks like a cyclops head on the top of it. So it's still got the big, brilliant viewfinder on the top and the large um, viewing lens on the front emblazoned with the, the brand name and sign above it. And then underneath it, it's got the um, the taking lens. It's very simple. Um, so the, where are we? So the, the 46 version was just, uh, I believe, a fixed meniscus lens. And the full view two, which is what I've got, and which I think is what you've got as well, Alex, uh, came out in 1950 and has very basic um what do you call that as a zone zone focus isn't it and you've got the so my one on here is i'm assuming this is measured in feet it doesn't actually tell you but we've got the number you can twist it to two which i assume is two feet or would that be two meters all ah, right mine's the earlier one. Oh, does yours um, not have this no it doesn't it, all it has is the the lens pulls out for six oh, it? no uh, it says three to ten foot if you pull the lens out and ten to infinity if you push the lens in Oh, okay. So I've got the slightly newer version then. Yeah. So my one, the sort of silver lens barrel on the front, if you can call it a lens barrel, you twist. And it's got a little marker for, again, what I assume is feet, but two. And then twist it around to five, uh, three to five, and then six right. to infinity. Uh, okay. Right. So yours, yeah, so yours is a slightly, slightly yeah, newer. 46 to 49, I think, right. mine okay. falls into. And it's just, it might, has yours got a flash sync? It does have a flash sync. No, mine, it doesn't. Mine's just instant or timed. I, 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 so. can't see, I can't see why you would, why would you want to put a, I don't know why you want to use it with a flash. So, right, mine, again, yeah, simple. You've got timed, uh, time exposure, and then just your, what's, what's the eye? I can't remember what the eye is for. Um, instant. instant, yes, block there. So what what did we come to conclusion on that? It was like one one thirtieth. Thirtieth, yeah, I think. F eleven. There's a really good manual for these on the Butkus site. Where oh, yeah. I looked on there for a manual. Oh, yeah, it's kind of ridiculous to really think that there's a manual when there is literally <laughs> a bulb or thirtieth and a shutter. <laughs> but I I was kind of and basic focus. There's nothing, yeah, the true, yeah. There's nothing much to kind of do, but there is not a lot online about them. 
but there's this one manual which was written by somebody. It seems really unofficial. It's, it's not done by Ensign. Um, but it's just, it's amazing. It's really worth looking at because it's got really fantastic uh, drawings mm-hmm. right through it, showing, you know, illustrating different things. But the, the manual is more uh, just a lesson in photography. Um, okay. It's just brilliantly written just giving you advice on composition and um, setting your expectation low enough as well. It's really funny because <laughs> obviously there were far better cameras around at the time. And yeah. they, it just spends quite a while explaining that just because this is crap doesn't mean it has to take crap photos. You just need to know its limitations and work with them. And it's just written in such a, a brilliant kind of real world way that I, it's yeah, it's awesome. It's really worth looking at. Yeah, I've got yeah, I have actually yeah, I've, I know where it is. I've, I've, um, but of course, donate to Butkus. Obviously, don't want to share links off their sure. page. But yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's on it's on the Butkus site, is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, okay, I'll have a I'll have a look for it on there. Sorry, I forgot the yeah. it was on there. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's really yeah, excellent. Best manual I've read. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, does yours have a tripod mount on it? No. Right. No. Because I've read, I read somewhere when I first got my my original one. Um, so I, I bought one. I can't remember if I just said this or whether we said this off air at the beginning. But I I bought one. I was at a car boot sale. Um, must have been about three years ago now. And I saw this ugly little thing on the floor, um, in a pile of cameras. I was like, oh, what's that? That's that's pretty peculiar. And uh, I asked the chap how much it was, and he was like, oh, it's a couple of quid. And then I realized that the someone had obviously stood on it. I'm sure someone had stood on it, like while it was sitting on the, you know, like a tarpaulin on the floor at the boot sale. And all of the, like the lens and the, because the lens and the shutter are all kind of made, yeah, mated into like one plate, aren't they, that screws onto the front. And that whole section was kind of cracked and twisted. And I sort of said that to him, and he was like, I'll just have it if it's any use to you. So I took it and it became my first pinhole camera. Right. But obviously, being a pinhole camera, I wanted to mount it on a tripod, and there was no tripod mount on it, despite the fact that what I'd read online about the camera said that the the full view two, these ones, had a, a tripod mount on them. So I was just curious whether yours did. Mm-hmm. Right. Both of mine don't. Yeah. I ended up it's having just, to, no, to uh, gorilla glue uh, a nut on the bottom of it. Right, yeah. My, my mate Phil, who gave me this, he's got a couple of them, um, and that's what he's done with his. He uses it for long exposures, or has has used used it for long exposures. But it, yeah. it's got a a very flat bottom bottom to it. Yeah. So it's quite good for just kind of put it, putting somewhere and put a bit of weight on it, so you can operate the shutter without shaking it. Yeah. But my the flat bottom of mine actually isn't flat it rocks oh, <laughs> when i put it down I'm, on a flat surface i'm literally just doing the same thing thinking well mine mine rocks slightly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got to find something just perfectly uneven to rest it on <laughs> and i'm just sort of realizing as well if you do that i don't know if yours is the same but because yours is a slightly earlier one i'm assuming it is but if i sit it on the table in front of me right now the shutter button is on the bottom of that front plate and i can't actually really get to it very well when it's on the table. All oh, right, now mine's on the side. See, oh, mine's far superior. Yeah, clearly it is. <laughs> and yeah, I've just brought up a picture of yours. No. So if you look at, um, I'm on camera wiki 
uh, right now. Um, so if you, if you, if listeners want to Google um, camera wiki and the Insign Full View, you'll see there's a, a bunch of pictures of like the original 1939, then your 1946, my 1950, and then the 54 Full View Super that came after it. But if you look at that picture, you'll see on the front panel, yeah, mine's it's got a, so basically the the shutter release is just a piece of metal that sticks out the bottom of that plate and then you simply push it upwards and that fires the shutter. But when it's sat on the table, you bet, bet, coupled with the fact that you've got your hand in front of the lens to try and operate that damn thing, <laughs> it's not very easy. But then I suppose they weren't sort of thinking about that. They were thinking you're going to be holding it in your hands, looking down on it. And to be fair, when you hold it like that, it's actually a really good position for the shutter button. Works quite well. Yeah. I probably should uh, should put a film for it at some point, shouldn't I? Yeah, definitely. Because the pictures I saw of yours that you posted yesterday, was that or the day before? They look really nice and sharp. Yeah, they're surprising. I, I, everybody who, I know it turns out quite a lot of people I know have got one. And they've right. all said, oh, they've had disappointing results from it. So I, everybody has said the same thing, that they, you know, it wasn't great. But I don't know. I think maybe I've just lost all my critical faculties. And I just think everything's going to come out of it. It's just brilliant. <laughs> so, it seems yeah. great. Oh, fair enough. Well, um, if you're happy with it, pal, then you carry on. Inordinately happy with it. Maybe, maybe I'll send you the, uh, the the slightly updated version and you can have a play with that one as well. <laughs> well, I'm thinking, because like, you said, what did you say on your one? You said that the focus, you pull the, the lens out and you get, what, between three and ten, did you say? That's what the manual says, but I think it's probably more like eight and ten, because I've, I've, I've got a few box cameras that say between three and ten with you know, by doing something, and yeah, three but blurry. Yeah, three, <laughs> I mean, three to ten is a fairly hefty distance to be all it in focus, is. Isn't it? or to nail focus yeah. it. It is, but it's I suppose it's f eleven or something, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, it I it's not going to be three. It just can't be. I don't think so, anyway. So, fair enough. Yeah. So, conclusion: you love it. I think it's an ugly little thing. Yeah, so far, I don't. Know. <laughs> so you far, could, so good. Just, just looking at the website as well, you could get them in different colours. I know. Much. Yeah, so this I'm, looking nice. at, I'm looking at uh, the full view two, which was my one, in uh, some sort of weird sandy grey colour. Yeah, nice. And then apparently, there's, well, it's quite interesting actually, it says on here, um, where are we? Adrian Richmond, whoever he is, states that coloured models, red, white and blue, were sold in 1952 to 53 to celebrate the coronation of Queen Elizabeth II. However, no other evidence, that's very patriotic, isn't it? Red, white and blue. However, no other evidence for these cameras has been seen. In particular, the full view is not mentioned in a coronation advertising supplement to the BJP Almanac of 53. Fine. Right. Yet, so underne- he might have all- just painted them. <laughs> well, underneath all that, there's a picture um, credited to Jeff Harrison of four full views, one in sort of this sandy grey, one in black, one in blue, and one in red. So whether they've been painted or not, I don't know. All right. I don't see the white one. Maybe I'll paint my one white. If you were the fortune... <laughs> the only one <laughs> I think these are only so well I'm not 100% sure but um, I don't think they were sold outside the UK 
No, I think you might be right, actually. Because I, I had a conversation, this just reminded me of a conversation I had quite a while back uh, with um, Eric, Conspiracy of Cartographers. Eric, you know who I mean? Yep. And he was saying, I think it must have been after I got my first one and converted it into a pinhole, but he, he said something along the lines of, like, he really liked them, but he's never seen one in the States. And, like, if I ever came across one, he, he'd quite like me to ship it to him. Right. I've got a a German friend who messaged me earlier saying, what is that camera? I've never seen one. He's quite into uh, old Zeiss icons and things. He was very much into photography years and years ago. And um, I said it was, you know, this was the biggest selling camera in Britain in the the 40s. Right. Um, Was it it actually? Yeah. Yeah, apparently it was. Well, from what I've read, probably because it was so cheap, because there were certainly better cameras around. But I can imagine this was the, um, you know, the the dirt cheap kind of. This is box the brownie. thing that you yeah you bought your kids maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet people did. Yeah. Because yeah. um, Rachel, Sunny sixteen, Rachel's got a thing for them as well, hasn't she? She's got at least one, maybe two. Right. Yeah, I think Graham sent her some or one. Some. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> sent some cameras up for a workshop she was doing. Um, okay. I think that was Graham saying that there was one in amongst that. Um, yeah, but yeah, this um, this, this guy and they were saying that he's ne- you know, never seen one in any free market in in Germany. Yeah, right. So yeah, but I guess what self-respecting German would buy a piece <laughs> of crap like this that has no aperture control? Only one shutter speed. When I've got a Zeiss Icon Box Tango from 15, 10 or 15 years before that had yeah. three apertures, three focusing zones, um, a shutter release cable, shutter like a locking mechanism. It's just, yeah, it's just like mile, miles, miles and miles ahead of this. <laughs> so I, mean, I suppose yeah. it's like the uh, like the equivalent of like. I don't know when, like we were kids, because we're pretty much the same age. And like, as I, like, I remember my dad had a a Canon A1 or something along those lines, and I had a Instamatic 110. Maybe it's kind of a similar thing. Yeah. 1950s dad would have had a Leica of some description, and poor Johnny boy had an Ensign Fullview. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Anyway. I think these are the definitely bottom of the pyramid of cameras well, at the time. I, th- I think they are, but I'll, I'll but run a roll for it. It's lasted. It must be like, what, 70 years? I'm not sure how many years it is. 70, yeah, probably about 70 years old now. And it's just, you know, okay, it's got rusty patches, but it works. Well, yeah. It might mean this one here has got some, some nice brassing on it, I suppose. Is it called brassing if it's not made of brass? Nice worn out bits, I suppose. Yeah. And the shutter, shutter works, and there's nothing else more to assuming the, but I guess the focus can't not work because it's just literally physically moving this one lens further and or closer and further away, isn't it? So, yeah. That's the only reason why this won't work. Because it hasn't lost any of its one element. <laughs> well, no, I can definitely see something shiny in there, so there's definitely one element. There's an awful lot of like dust and garbage in there with it, but maybe that'll add to something. Maybe it'll look like a Holger picture. 
Yeah, it's not as if it's the Etty as the Holger. Yes, go on. No, I was just going to say, Holger Week's just finished, isn't it? Did you, um, have you got a Holger? Did you shoot anything for Holger Week? I, I did, yeah. I've got a um, Holger 120, the glass lens, the GCFN. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it's, I've had a couple of Holgers. Well, I've had, yeah, probably uh, different types. 35mm one, which was great. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't have sold that. Um, and some the, the pinhole wide. But two of the 120 lensed ones, one a plastic lens, which I didn't hang on to. But I've kept the, this glass lens one. It's brilliant. It's yeah. really nice, lovely, lovely contrast to it, but with all of the, you know, swirly, messy, not swirly, but just messy, messy, <laughs> yeah, messy edges and vignetting. Yeah, it's lovely. Okay. So, yeah. what, what did you, what have you been out shooting? Um, the first day, what was I doing? It was a really good weather the first day of Holger Week, so I got a couple of shots somewhere. Oh God, I can't remember where I was now. Uh, but then the entire week was just gloomy dark dark cloud so i didn't really and it just rained most of it but then on the last day um i went down to the local beach with the family and got some nice pictures of us and the dog messing about on the beach so yeah i got a few nice very nice shots of it you you've presumably you've developed them already and seen them now yeah 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 Yeah. okay that's right they're on instagram i think okay so i haven't developed mine yet Mine are still mine are sitting in the tank where they've sat for the past couple of days, waiting for me to get the time to throw some caffeine all over them. All oh, right, okay. What did you use? HP5 or? I did use HP5. So uh, I should probably tell this story. Um, so I, I was I was on Twitter the whenever it was before Holger Week started, which is quite unusual because I don't spend much time on Twitter. But I saw um, Mr. Is it Mr. Holger saying. Hey, Holger Week's coming up on whatever date it was. And I was like, yeah, it looks quite fun. I haven't got a Holger, but it looks quite fun. I've got a Diana. I wonder if that'll work. No, that's probably not allowed. So I was just moaning on there that I haven't got a Holger when I have a part, take part in Holger Week. And guess who stepped into the rescue? Andrew Bartram. Awesome. So Andrew, Andrew's message is saying, I've got a couple of Holgers you can borrow. Um, I'll send you one. I was like, yeah, brilliant. Thank you very much. He's a very kind chap, is Andrew. He sent me a lot he of is, isn't he? Amazing guy. Um, so what rocked up on my doorstep a few days later? A 120 WPC. Oh, brilliant. So, and I've got it here right now, because not only um, did he say, oh, you can borrow that, he then turned around and was like, well, I've got two of those, so you may as well keep it, which was, huh. considering, like, how much he really wanted one back or what a year ago or so now i thought was incredibly generous of him apparently he's got two of them now so awesome so, so what's it up to on what's it up to on ebay now <laughs> <laughs> what this one you can get about 200 quid for them yeah <laughs> i don't think people are buying them anymore there was there was no, a, yeah. since they they found that creative them and that was it everybody realized oh no okay not going to make a profit out of it well it's either that or everyone spent like ridiculous money on them realized that they're really not worth whatever people were changing hands or whatever money was changing hands for them and gave up. Yeah. But I think there was a very limited number of people who really wanted one and now they've all got one. Yeah. I think Andrew was one of them and maybe Mike was the other one. <laughs> yeah. But they're, they're kind of all right, aren't they? I mean, I, I don't think I'd ever even held a Holger before. So I wasn't, wasn't really sure what I was expecting. But yeah, they're that sort of 
chunky-ish, I suppose, plastic with the sort of fake mottled leather effect on it, which I think they yeah. all are. Um, yeah. Andrew's Andrew modified this one to um, take a filter ring. That's right. And, yeah. uh, he shaved the inside bit of it by the looks of it, so that it doesn't vignette as much. Yeah, it's quite cool. But I ran, I ran. He then, um, what did he do? So he sent it to me, and then he sent me a message saying, "Oh, just one little tip: make sure that your your cable release, because it's got like a cable release um, input into the shutter. Make sure your cable release has a long enough like throw on it, otherwise it won't open the shutter properly." Right. I was like, okay, that's a bit peculiar. I'm sure it'll be fine. So then I got it and I plugged my cable release into it. And sure enough, yeah, it only opened the 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 shutter probably about halfway. Oh, I know. So when you, so if you took the back off of the camera and looked through it, when you sort of released the shutter, you could see, like through the pinhole, as it were, not properly, but you could see that the pinhole was, was open. But then when you turned it over, it was like the pinhole was only just poking out past the shutter. Right. So I spoke to Andrew about this, and he was like, "Yeah, that's a that's a common thing. You need a cable release with a longer throw." I didn't know you've got cable releases with a longer throw. I thought a cable release was a cable release. But yeah, you know, you okay. I, I hadn't realised that because you've used mine a bit. I've just obviously was lucky that the, the cable release I had was okay. Yeah. I didn't realise that was a problem with them. Well, he, yeah, he then sort of said, "Oh, I'll, I'll chuck one in the post to you," and sure enough, he did. And I've got that here as well. But I know when you sort of press the plunger, you've got obviously you know how they work. Obviously, the the inner of the cable comes out of the threaded bit. And randomly, I have a ruler right next to me, so it actually comes out a full fifteen, maybe sixteen millimeters. Right. But my sort of regular ones, or the ones that I could find at home, because I've just moved house, and frankly, I can't find anything at the moment. We're only coming out probably about half of that, maybe sort of, yeah, maybe, maybe nine or ten mil at most, and yeah, they weren't opening the the shutter enough. Right. So I was kind of worried that, and like Andrew said it as well, I was kind of worried that if you used it that way, you'd end up seeing, like literally seeing, the edge of the shutter, on the shot. Yeah. So I didn't use one of mine, and I just used Andrew's one, but I sort of went out to, um, sort of local place to me you know the i think you've seen the, the the railway project that i've been shooting yeah um i went out to one of the places um where i'd been shooting for that and just it was quite a fairly nice day and i loaded it up with some um hp5 and not not reshot images but just sort of took more images around that same sort of area and as i say yeah they're waiting in the in the developing tank right now for me to get on it cool yeah, I liked your shots. Um, the the two that were in the lensless scene are really lovely as well. It's really nice to see them on paper. It's so much better than you know seeing them on a screen. But, uh, I haven't actually seen that scene yet. Ah, right. Yeah, yeah, I got mine last week. No, I haven't got around to actually uh, buying one yet. And I'm not sure whether they've got any more, so I should probably get on that. But, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of a cool camera. I can't remember if anything else I was going to say about it. Don't yeah, it's good. It, it's got quite a small base plate, isn't it? So it's it's kind of lends itself to being used on a tripod more than like a zero image where you could, it's easy to just stick it on things. Yeah, I mean, stand, yeah, standing on the table, it rocks it's a bit wobbly. Well, doesn't it? Yeah, 
especially yeah. if you're I mean, I suppose you could hold it down and then sort of open your pinhole, but then you're still you're still wobbling around quite a bit. Yeah. I don't think I'd want to use that. Actually, I've I've done that a fair bit, just putting my foot on it. And, oh, really? Uh, just put it on the street, you know, on the street, and stand on it partially, and I did use it like that quite a lot. My... Literally with your foot on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, having a bit of faith in that Holger plastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you must not weigh very much, mate. That's all I can say. <laughs> Not fully stood on it. <laughs> so you both both feet like one either side. Yeah. <laughs> but keep it still. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so yeah, we shall see whether uh, whether they came out. So Andrew messaged me. I think it was yesterday because um, he was ta- he's ta- he's gone on one of his business trips, I think, and he was taking his and he messaged me. Um, uh, I think it was yesterday. Yeah, and said um, so just out of the blue. I appear to have two six by nine masks. Do you by any chance have two six by twelves for the WPC? I was like, what are you talking about? And then I was at work at the time, and then I sort of thought about it. And I realised obviously the the one twenty WPC has interchangeable masks, doesn't it? You can shoot it six by nine or six by twelve. Yeah. And when he when he sent this one to me, it was in the box, um, and the masks masks were in like the bubble wrap, and I sort of pulled the instructions out because I was like, this is probably the simplest camera ever but i should probably read the instructions i seem to remember there's something about you do every odd frame or something like that i better read the manual just so i get this right and uh so i pulled out the manual and it said oh if you want to shoot six by 12 i think it was use the mask with this number written on it and if you want to shoot six by nine use the mask with this number on it i was like okay well i want to shoot six by 12 so i picked up the mask with is it six i think on it or eight i can't remember now six maybe is stamped onto the mask is that's right six exposures that's right yeah. so the, the number of exposures i've just opened it on now um yeah so it's got the number six stamped into the mask so i was like okay yep that's the one i want and i slapped it in the camera and sort of didn't think too much about the other mask because i didn't want to shoot six by nine but did sort of know just in my head not really thinking about it oh, that looks that looks pretty similar didn't really think anything more of it than that and then when andrew messaged me <laughs> And saying, oh, have you got two six by twelves by any chance? I was like, that makes sense. That's why they looked very, very similar, because they are exactly the damn same. So yeah. I've just uh, then I sort of got home from work and looked in the bubble wrap, and I was like, yeah, that one says six on it as well. Andrew sent me two six by twelve marks, and he's sitting back at his with two six by nine. So Andrew, as I said to you, I'll get that popped in the post to you as soon as possible. <laughs> Easily done. Yeah. Well, the- he must have had them both out at the same time. I, I guess Probably. he must have done. He's, he's had them Make in a drawer sure or something, hasn't he? And he's just yeah. picked them both up. Make sure you kept the best one. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Is there such a thing as the best one? No. <laughs> I mean, I know you could say the best Holger. Is, people, people say, don't they, you get certain Holger, like you get a Holger and it's different to the next Holger. But because of the, the quality I, yeah, of the lens away, I, I, I can't think the lenses imagine. vary. Yeah, I can't imagine that you get a best 120 WPC. I imagine they're all exactly the same. Yeah. It's just a whole. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, right, okay. So that does lead us on to um, to an email that I had. But I think what we're going to do is I'm going to take a moment to stop this recording, make sure that this saves all right, take a little break, and then we'll come back in a moment. Is that right, Al? Yep, cool. Cool. Right, we shall see you shortly then. Bye.
Right, and we're back. So what were we talking about, Alex? Pinhole, weren't we? Um, yeah. So that leads us on to an email that um, that I received quite some time ago, I'm not going to lie, um, from a lovely chap called Bob Matter. Now, Bob um, was Bob emailed me about um, something else I've been talking about in the show, but he happened to drop on the end of his email, um, and I've sort of copied and pasted the relevant bits, but he said that he doesn't have a pinhole camera yet. And he was thinking about getting one of those pinhole body caps to convert one of my dozens of 35 millimeter SLR cameras to a pinhole camera for next year's International Pinhole Camera Day. So this was received a while ago, but it was after Pinhole Photography Day, I think. So hopefully he's talking about Pinhole Day 2020. Um, perhaps you can share your thoughts on these kinds of adaptations in a future episode. Is 35 millimeter even appropriate for pinhole photography? And he goes on to say, maybe on a future episode, you can give a primer on pinhole exposure times for common black and white film speeds of 100 and 400. So, first of all, Alex, when you came on the show before, you were talking about your 35 millimeter pinhole conversion, weren't you? Yeah. Your, uh, what did you call Zorky. it? Zorkenstein. Zorkenstein, that was it. So, would you say 35 millimeter is appropriate for pinhole photography? No. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, no, definitely. I, I genuinely it's, didn't. I, I didn't expect you to say that. <laughs> no, it's terrible. No. It, right. Yes, right. definitely. But it, it 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 is a little bit. Um, it's not as. It's, it can be limiting if you're modifying a camera or using a lens cap, a, a body cap. Mm-hmm. Did he? Did, is Bob talking about buying, you know, one that's sort of made by somebody else? A pinhole cap, like a proprietary. Uh, cap. I think uh, he simply says he's thinking about getting one of those pinhole body caps to convert right. an SLR. So I'm assuming like one of those ones that comes pre-drilled. But there's no reason why you couldn't. I mean, yeah. I've done it with one of my um, Zenits, and I just drilled a hole in a in a, a body cap and put one of the reality pinholes in it. But you yeah. can buy sort of pre-drilled, can't you? That's right. I yeah, they sort of lead much to the same effect when they a pre-made one. Yeah, I guess so. With the, the smaller um, size, you know, being 35mm rather than 120 um, I think the quality of the, the pinhole itself gets more critical in a way. Well, does it Does it really matter? It depends what you're going for. That's sure. what it comes down to. If if you're looking at reality to subtle 6x6 images, pinhole images, and thinking, what can I do for now? I'll convert a 35mm SLR. Then it's not. It probably won't to be what you're after, because it's going to be a much uh, narrower angle of view, a much more standard. Because that's 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 the thing with pinhole, isn't it? Like the cliche look in inverted commas of pinhole is very sort of distorted and wide angle, which yeah. you, you you did replicate with your your Zorkenstein, didn't you? Yeah. Um, yeah. But you don't think it still has the same sort of aesthetically pleasing look. As I say, one of the realities or the zeros. The Zorky was um, the fact that it's a rangefinder means that it's a much closer. You know, the pinhole was much closer to, to the film plane anyway, even with just a standard body cap on it. Um, yeah. I can't remember how, how much, but a lot less than an SLR. Um, and then I hacked away a lot of the. I took the lens mount out. Oh, pushed it, yeah. Snapped and broke bits away until I was could get the. <laughs> It was a point one of a millimeter pinhole, a reality so subtle one. Um, I think it was down to about fifteen mil. I think it was from the the film. It was pretty it wide, is, wasn't it? Yeah. So that was that gave 
give quite a traditional wide image and with a small enough pinhole to uh, give a decent um like one second on a sunny day sort of exposure right. um and, and they were they were pretty sharp weren't they if sharp yeah was going for you. pretty sharp yeah i mean you could you know they you, they could see that they were definitely grainier than um you know something like a, a zero image or whatever just because obviously it's positive four times the size of um Surely you're blowing the, up the, the grain from a smaller yeah. aren't you? Yeah. Um, so yeah, but it's, you know, putting a cap on a camera, I mean, that can be great. I, I really, I think that, that whatever you do with pinhole photography, um, you'll, I think, just build what if you're going to build a camera, just do it. Don't agonise over what angle of view it is or anything, because if you build a wide one, you will definitely want a, a narrow one shortly afterwards so mm-hmm. build a narrow one first and build a wider one later uh, whatever you get one is never going to be enough you'll always um, <laughs> if pinhole is for you, you you're going to end up with various sizes i think pretty much everybody i know in who, who's into pinhole photography has got stacks of cameras and often they're kind of the same <laughs> it'll, it'll be yeah. six by six cameras just made by different people that do a very similar job really sure i know i know i don't know about you but i've got lots and i mean lots of sort of homemade one shot um like four by five or five by seven paper neg cameras yeah. made out of sort of various biscuit tins and uh, yeah like there's one kicking around made out of a book there's one made out of a biscuit tin there's one made out of this one made out of that and like you say they all do pretty much the same thing don't they it's with that it's more hey yeah, i made it out of a book i made it out of it's yeah. old box. It's sort of more the I made it out of, of this. That's yeah. Okay. I suppose if you're if you're sort of wanting to sort of dip a toe into the pinhole, I suppose it's it's. I mean, it's worth doing though, isn't it? I mean, you can get Definitely. the idea of uh, the sort of long exposures of pinhole and everything like that from um, just sticking a body cap onto a yeah, SLR. Yeah. I mean, you've got all of your. Um, like your film transport mechanism is all there your shutters all there it's a good place to start i think yeah definitely absolutely um and yeah but they're just it's just brilliant really but i think it's it it's just that the results you'll get probably tend to be um what you'll appreciate later on (laughs) rather than straight away because when i did it i well I, i made a pinhole for the Zorki first, um, which which uh, the, I think the, the the metal can that I made it out of, I hadn't sort of sanded it down to a uh, uh, to a thin enough grade, so mm-hmm. it was there was a bit of uh, the contrast wasn't brilliant. I didn't really understand why. I thought it was all about the size of the hole, but not, not realizing that no, it's the sort of length of the tube. The tunnel that you're making as well is kind of sure. very yeah. important. So, um, getting the metal thin through sanding it down, or or hitting it with a hammer if it's aluminium, you can, um, you know, if you hit it hard enough, you will, you will make that metal much thinner yeah. to put the pin through. Have you tried doing that? I ha- yes, I have tried is hitting it. it. Um, I can't remember. Yeah, I think I must have. So I I tried. I I because what I was doing is getting. Yeah, just like a, a Coke can or a beer can or something and cutting little sort of shims out of it, sanding it down, 
but sanding it so that you got um you know like that sort of coating that you get on the on the tin sanding it so that went off and sort of sanding it until i got bored basically right. and then using um um ethan camera dactyl ethan put me onto some sort of micro drill bits that he uses for for, for his cameras yeah so i bought some of those and they're really good they're really accurate at drilling um the pinholes so that's what i was doing but then i read oh if you get like a ball pane hammer and sort of hit the tin on like a vice or an anvil or something then that'll make it flat and i was like oh, brilliant that'll save save me some time and i sort of cut like a few shims and sort of gave them a couple of good welts with the hammer and basically just they just stretched and smashed basically sort of split so right. either, either i was hitting them too hard or the hammer was too big but i swiftly stopped doing that because they were just getting ruined right okay so what did you what you made the hole first and hit it or did you just flatten it out and then drill through the i think i think the first one i made the pinhole and then sort of well yeah i was going to try that hammer thing wasn't i and then sort of hammered it and just obliterated the damn thing so then got like another shim and then sort of tried flattening it first fit and sort of thought yeah this blacksmith thing is nice and easy i can do this wham and just basically just split a hole in the the tin straight away and after a couple of times doing that, just gave up on the idea and went back to sanding it. <laughs> right. it, it didn't work for me. I can't remember what happened, what camera it went into or what I was doing it for, but I um, I've, I inherited my dad's tools. And in amongst that, were the panel, they were panel beating, mm-hmm. uh, like blocks of metal, different shapes and uh, different hammers for doing um, panel work. Yeah, sure. I've got a load of that. I used to work in like sort of vehicle body repair, so I've got all like the little dollies and stuff. But uh, right. I was obviously never any good at it because it did not work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so thirty-five mil is appropriate, but you probably want to move on to one twenty or bigger fairly soon. Is that what we're kind of saying to that? Yeah. Well. Yeah. I suppose it just depends on expectations because. It's something that I came back to um, after seeing uh, James Gerwin's um, shots mm-hmm. that he posted online from, uh, a, it was a, a, point, a point 0.1 millimeter pinhole on a APS-C digital camera. That's right. Just yeah, shots in his workshop. Yeah. Yeah, they just looked amazing. And that, that seeing those got me thinking, I thought, oh, right, yeah, I, I, can, uh, you know, I could do something with 35 mil. And I was looking... Um, online then at um, I'm trying to find a 35mm pinhole camera but yeah I couldn't wait, I was too impatient so there's a book he had it <laughs> I think by the end of the night I had the camera in bits and it's like yes almost, yeah, almost there don't have to wait for Amazon or whatever <laughs> yeah fair enough yeah. I've got a couple of those um, like sort of make your own type 35mm pinhole cameras where you just press the bits out of like a kit like an old airfix model or something and you put them together and they come with like a piece of tin foil that you're supposed to put like a pin brick in and yeah right. and they never sort of gave me any results so i was very happy with it. they had like a focal length of something like 80 mil as well or something so they, right. weren't, wow. like, they were terribly inaccurate but it, i guess like you said it depends on what you're into i suppose doesn't it you might sort of do that and that's exactly what you're looking for and never want to move on to anything else yeah, uh, well, I took mine to um, Disneyland Paris with the kids, mm-hmm. and I shot more with the, that Zorky than than anything else really. And yeah. it was brilliant, it was perfect. It really captured 
the movement of the rides and things like that. I managed to uh, take shots while we we're on some of the rides, right. or just you know, while we're in queues and things, um, right. just stupid photos of us, the family together and things. And yeah, it was brilliant. And then we went to uh, Mallorca earlier this year. It was great there as well, taking pictures around Parma and the city. It's just so easy to carry it with you. It's kind of go my pocket away shorts. Is that what uh, you shot? Do you shoot some red scale for it? Yes. Yeah. That's right. Almost all red scale there. Um, yeah. And the, I, I was really chuffed with the shots. Okay. So let me ask you this then. When was the last time you used it? The Zorky? Yeah. Um, I've actually got it in my camera bag at the moment, loaded with some Fuji color. Um, oh, it's been quite a while actually right i just i just wondered if it was one of those things where you sort of made it and it was great and i think everyone else thought it was great as well i know i did but then whether you thought where it kind of then got put on the back burner and you then went back to like your 120 cameras or whether you think Um, it will still get regular rotation yeah i think it it should get regular rotation i think i've been enjoying the zero image again because i I put that down for quite a while uh, but that, I've been using that recently, which mm-hmm. has been really good. Um, I haven't used the Holger WPC for a long time. No. So I think it's just a natural sort of cycle of um, of these things. You just get, I get kind of faddy about it and just pick things up and drop them. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, I th- I've just had a lot going on, I suppose. With the Intrepid this year, I've been using loads. Um, I've been shooting half frame fairly recently I've just finished a roll in that um, yeah I cracked my um, my little half frame out the other day as I think a response to that half frame shooters group that's appeared on Facebook now yeah um, I'm not I'm still not 100% sold on on half frame but I'm certainly giving it a try I did make the mistake of putting a 36 exposure roll of film in it so oh, it that's be. great just shoot triptychs <laughs> and you'll get through it in no time and I think that's really where they come into their own just that ability to um, yeah, just plan out triptychs and diptychs. I, I, what I really like about half frame is how it's the same sort of mindset as a box camera, where well certainly for mine anyway, because I, there's no focusing with it. Uh, um, so if you've got to kind of plan the compositions so that you're thinking at 12 feet away, um, and you're using things in the in the foreground that you know will be out of focus to kind of make the shot look more interesting um which is what i started to get into with my zeiss icon box camera um just you know working with with it to to make something more interesting and creative and um it's a very similar approach to, to the box camera like that right um so yeah I, and i really like that as well as kind of what i like about this uh full view as well it's just it seems like the less <laughs> the less control you have i mean you you have you have control over what you you know, take a picture of and uh that's where all the decision making and all the um creativity comes from is not not the camera but just pointing it at something sure. at the right time yeah and so what you know, what um what uh, yours is a, a pen isn't it which model is the pen what pen have you got it's EE3. You, yeah, you've got a more advanced one with the flash, haven't you? But this I've is got just the, um, EF, I think. 
I mean, I would not call it advanced. There's literally you can set the ISO and that's it. It does have a flash, yes, but it's got no shutter speeds, no apertures. It's fixed. It looks a lot more fix everything. Okay, it's very sim. Then it's you know it is just um, probably identical apart from the flash. But mine looks very 60s, whereas yours looks a bit. Mine's futuristic. Capacity. Well, it's, it's it's plastic. It's a plastic job, so I'm assuming it's 80s, 90s, maybe. Yeah. But I I don't. Yeah, generally don't know. Yeah, look, it does look quite. Well, I suppose it could be late 70s. I guess I don't know how long they ran for. Um, uh, some no. of them certainly look real. But yeah, I I really like them. I just, think choosing uh, the right film half frame is kind of quite a kind of key thing. Really, it's got to be something with a decent. Uh, I don't know, resolving kind of power, if that's the word. Yeah, sure. Um, I think um, former pan might be a little bit, as much as I love it, it might not be the best thing for half frame. And I think having the right sort of grain as well, because that, the same actually with the box cameras, again, you can have a, a fairly soft single meniscus lens, but if the, great, if the grain is right, then it sort of creates its own sharpness in a way it seems to tighten up the way the image looks yeah no i know what you mean yeah um yeah, yeah so i've just uh looked up the ef so the pen ef which is the one that i've got was the last pen model launched in 1981 all right uh, it's like the ee2 or the ee3 but with a small built-in flash um only sold in black Shutter speeds were one thirtieth and one two fiftieth, and you could set it from twenty five to four hundred ISO. That's so the same. Which, yeah. Which one is it? You've same. got sorry. The EE e- three. Oh yeah. So that's the one before it's seventy three to eighty three. Right. Yeah. Fine. Allowed the user to obtain correct aperture value by ma- manually setting the aperture ring to one of the estimators. Oh, so you've got an aperture ring. I haven't got that. Oh uh, yeah, uh, mine's got an aperture ring for for use of the flash. Yeah. Oh, like. Oh, the, actually, it, like the trips yours, have. Yeah. That's right. It doesn't yours have that printed on the underneath of the uh, ISO ring? If you turn no, it no, over, no. it's fine. No, there's no. Um, there's no. You can only change the ISO. Right. There's literally nothing else ah, to okay. change. I'm sure of it. It's probably because it's got, got built-in flash, so it's probably well, doing that for you. Already. I don't know now, you got me thinking about it. It says, or just, well, again, I'm on camera wiki. Um, it's like the EE2 or the EE3, but with a small built-in flash. So that would suggest that, I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to have a look at it. I don't have it on me right now, I don't think. I think it's in my camera bag, which isn't near me. Anyway. Okay. So, right, where were we? Oh, yeah. We were answering an email, weren't we? We got onto half frame. Yeah. Okay. Let's just let's just finish uh, Bob's email. Um. So what do you say? Others oh, are quite open-ended. Maybe on a future episode you could give a primer on pinhole exposure times for common black and white film speeds of 100 and 400. And I think we had a brief talk about this before we started recording and decided that no, we can't give a base <laughs> exposure time for common black and white film speeds of 100 and 400 because there is no such a thing, is there? No. Not all films are created equal. Um. No. I suppose, it, it, well, no, once you get over one or two seconds, then they do start to differ massively. Yeah. yeah the extremes being across, which is a linear kind of relationship between 
and um, exposure time um, and and what? <laughs> What's that graph made up of? Um, <laughs> come on, you know about photography. Um, um, time and light, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's very linear, whereas something like former pan, and I'm sure there are others that um, it's, it's sort of, I don't know if, if I mean, exponential I mean, is the right word, but it's... Basically, they, they drop off um, pretty much as soon as you've opened the shutter, yeah? Yeah. So like most immediately. It's, say, um, 10 second exposure could be, you know, like I'm sure it's something like 10 minutes or, or more with foam pan. Really, it's, uh, it's quite. Well, yeah, it's it's a steep steep curve. Okay, so okay, so the best thing that you can do, um, Bob, is invest in if you're going to get into this, invest in a a light meter app. I would say, um, specifically pinhole assist. Do you yeah, use pinhole assist? Or, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I love it. But, uh, but you can use the reciprocity calculator, which I think is on Android. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not familiar with that. So I've just pulled up my phone in in the room that I'm in. Obviously, it's well, we quarter to eleven at night now, so it's lit just by um, just a regular light. So I, if I pull it up here, and we'll pick. So we'll do. Imagine I'm metering with a reality so subtle, and I've got. Where are we? FOMA. No, okay. So we'll do ACROS first. So if I hold this, it's saying, admittedly, it's still saying a base exposure is 10 minutes because it's quite dark in here, but it's saying that to account for the reciprocity failure curve, it wants to be a 15 minute exposure. So that's that's not very much additional exposure when you're talking no. about 10 minutes in the first place. Yeah. If I then change the setting to, um, what's it called? <laughs> we're looking at the same base 10 minutes would you care to hazard a guess Al, on what the five hours yeah three three hours three hours and six minutes that reckons <laughs> and they're they're both they're both 100 iso film and that's so that's just a basic example of how how much they can differ so yeah. sorry bob we can't give you a basic exposure but, times but you, yeah. you're, you're looking at with most black and white films that i've used if you're using them on a fairly bright sunny i'm not sure where you are um but from our experience a sunny day i know you don't really get sunny wells in what sunny days in wales do you alex but if we look at a basic sunny day you can have a, a decent exposure by opening the shutter and closing it again like sub one second would you agree with a yeah most 100 iso films yeah, and then probably the same if it's slightly a bit cloudier, you can probably do the same again with like a 400 ISO film. Yeah, I think that there's um, a tendency with you know, using light meters and um, relying on a pinhole assist, as I, I do, do use it a lot, but it it kind of takes the um, decision making away from you and makes it kind of inaccessible. Whereas if you think about like the Sunny 16, you know, I, I know you've got to kind of uh, interpret that differently depending on where you are, what's, how much of the sky is exposed. If you're in a city, sure. it could be you know, massively off. But if you've got a nice open sky, there's only three or four different kind of light levels 
that you're going to be shooting in in the day. You know, it's going to be bright sun, hazy sun, overcast or dark, dark cloud. Sure. Um, and the same applies for these pinhole exposures. So it might be, obviously, it does. It will vary massively film to film, but you're not going to be changing film every few minutes. You're going to load the film and and be stuck with it for a day or whatever. Sure. Or yeah. So I think I did this when I first got into photography years and years ago. I was bound to my Western um, light meter, and just it seemed totally baffling this range of you know two scales that passed each other and it was def- decided on by this mystery kind of needle that told me what i had to do um whereas really uh, it was many many well it's only kind of in the last five years i've realized that it's so much simpler than i realized and Absolutely. you know, just but through through kind of experimenting them with uh, when i was first told about sunny 16 i thought what no way somebody can actually you know work this out um you know, just by thinking about it and kind of a bit of experience, but you can. And uh, I, when I first heard about it, I thought I, I kind of doubt I could do that. But use the light meter app on my phone and just through the day randomly, not taking photos, just going about you know my normal sort of working day. I would just constantly guess exposures based on whichever ISO and just testing myself and just saying, right, I reckon it's you know f eight to 250th, whatever, you know, for mm-hmm. ISO, whatever, and then just check on my phone and be like, oh my God, I got it bang on. And once <laughs> you've kind of realized that, okay, if there's a tree nearby obscuring some of the some of the sky, um, little things like that, which you, you know, you have to learn to take into account to uh, adjust the kind of algorithm in your head, mm-hmm. you can become extremely accurate with it. If you're if you're checking yourself against a your know, light meter app, whatever, um, it's it's actually amazing how accurate you can be and yeah. you know, show yourself that you are getting it right. And the same thing for pinhole. Um, and uh, these huge sort of lengths of time for like former pan or whatever. You know, okay, if it's a bright sunny day, then a second or two. Um, or if it's slightly cloudy, then it might be. Um, I don't know, five minutes or whatever. But the, it, you could be quite far off in your guess, and it's going to make very, very little difference to the end result. Um, like especially when the, le- the length of time get way longer. You, most of the exposing is done in the early part of the exposure, and I think as it as it trails off, it's it's less and less important. If you if you only exposed it for half the time that the app is telling you, then it's probably probably 80% of the way there anyway. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think we've spoken about this before and I've tried that and yeah, I've metered a exposure and it's like, oh, that's going to be 10 minutes. I was like, oh, shit, I haven't got 10 minutes. I have got five minutes. So you just give it that and yeah, yeah don't notice it, any sort of discernible difference. Yeah, if you if you did the 10 minutes and compared them, you'd probably think, well, you'd struggle to really see a difference mm-hmm. in it. So I think... Yeah, light meter apps and times like that can can be quite off-putting in a no, way. Um, no, absolutely. I, me- I remember having a chat uh, once when I met up with Andrew uh, Bartram, and I think he's meant. I'm sure he's mentioned it on on his show before. But him saying that when he like first got his zero, it used to be like whatever black and white film you're using. If your exposure time is this long, then give it this. If it's yeah. this long, give it this. And that was that was it. There was no messing around with massive reciprocity curves it was just 
add on half the time again, or add on half the time, and then half yeah. quarter the time, or something like that. And he said he always got pretty much bang on exposures. So yeah, I think people I think... are potentially making a maybe not making too much of it, but it could be maybe not treated as so important. Maybe. Yeah, I think so. I think it's kind of, yeah, absolutely. That's all I say. I feel a bit hypocritical because I will stick to what, basically, pretty much, I'll stick to what Pinhole just says, particularly if I'm inside. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I tend to, I do it all the time, actually, and it sort of drives me a little bit mad. I think that's why I'm enjoying using this box camera so much, is because you just kind of, you make your choice and you just get on with it. And I find yeah. it really freeing then to just accept the fact that, you know, it, it, it's not going to be perfectly exposed technically, but it'll probably look great because it's because of what it is. Yeah. Like when, when the light levels were dropping the other night when I, well, when was it? I can't remember. Whichever night it was, I was out with the dog down the canal. Mm. Um, I, I realized that it was just way, way too dark for this 30th of a second exposure. Um, although there's a pair of swans, and every time I've ever taken a photo of them, I've always blown the highlights, which yeah. is the entire swans. So I got a nice <laughs> shot of them, which worked out well at the 30th. But then for the rest of them, then I just rested it on the ground and pressed the the, the um, shutter like five or six times. I kind of guessed that might be about right. Yeah. And yeah, the shots look great. Just yeah, you know, the dog was moving around, so she's multiple multiply exposed yeah but everything um, else kind of looks, looks nice and sharp doesn't it yeah and i think yeah, okay maybe it's helped by the fact that i'm scanning it so the the scanning software will will automatically look for that mid gray 18 percent gray whatever it is mm-hmm. that's how it you know that's how it'll home, home in on any particular exposure so um you know that's the negative looks all right they were a little bit thin but um, I might struggle to print some of them in the dark room, well, but they certainly, uh, certainly look good from the from the scans that I've seen. Yeah. yeah. All right. Fine. I'll take. I'll put a roll through that stupid ugly camera. Good. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So there you go, Bob. We've talked about many things on little sidelines, but I hope that answers goes somewhere to answering your question. Right. So there's just one thing left on the show notes, Alex. Right, yeah, yeah, you've read the show notes. Come on, we have to uh, we have to gloat, don't we? Oh, right, yeah. So, well, when, naturally, when was this? I'm trying to remember when this actually was. Um, if you're listening to this show, you'll presumably listen to negative positives because everybody seems to, and you'll know they done their double exposure tag team challenge back earlier in this year, and uh, we won, didn't we? Al? We did. <laughs> Would you care to describe uh, said photograph to the listeners? Um, it was uh, the state of Marshmallow Man marauding, <laughs> terrifying people in the English countryside. <laughs> I love this well. shot. I'm looking at it right now. Um, yeah, there's not really much to say about this other than, <laughs> yeah, we won. But um, yeah, so we, um, you shot the roll first and... I seem to remember uh, a, an Instagram message or a text message, um, picture message of you saying something along the lines of, I've done this, see what you can do with it. And the, the photograph was, yeah, a very small, stay puffed 
well, maybe not that small, but a Stay Puff Marshmallow Man in a, yeah. some sort of blacked out light box. Yeah, an Ikea like? storage box, yeah. Was that what it was? <laughs> <laughs> um, and you with, maybe, was there some studio lighting going on there? I can't remember now. Yeah, that's right. I, I've got some, a couple of um, soft boxes on tripods. So yeah, just lit it with a black background. Yeah. And, and shot it from, from a low angle. So I saw that and was like, what on earth? What on earth does he expect me to do with that? Oh, well. The last couple of frames, I know, I've got the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man on them. And then, so I took the took the roll out and I think I was cycling around the sort of village where I was at the time living. And I got to sort of, I don't know, like, uh, what was that? Was it HP5? I can't remember now. Uh, I, got, got, no, I can't remember what it was. doesn't matter, I suppose. But I got to sort of frame or what the camera was indicating to be about frame sort of 29 or 30 or something like that. And then I recalled, oh, hang on. There's a Stay Puff Marshmallow Man at the end of this roll somewhere. We better see what we can do. And I sort of got off my bike and I looked and I was like, oh, English countryside. Stay Puff Marshmallow Man is going to go marauding across the countryside and uh, snapped away. And uh, M seemed to like it, didn't he? He was very complimentary yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, quite, it's kind of like such an iconic thing, isn't it, Ghostbusters? So, yeah, I think it's um, going to resonate with a lot of people our sort of age. Yeah, everyone likes Ghostbusters, don't they? Yeah. And uh, so I'm sort of looking at the picture now, and I don't think I've actually looked at it since since M judged it way back whenever that was. Um, was that must have been like three or four months ago now, wasn't it, or something? But um, he yes. sort of he he remarked that the countryside was a bit um, sort of looked like motion blur, like I'd taken it out of a car window, and I distinctly remember actually pulling. I was like I said, I was on my bike and I stopped and I sort of took the shot and it was a bright sunny day, so I would have been on sort of fairly quick shutter speeds. But it does there is sort of an awful lot of blurryness going on it. Yeah, so, don't know what was going on there, but hey, yeah, right. So yeah, na 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 na. Everyone else, we won. <laughs> and of course, as returning champion, of course, let's not forget that because uh, you know I did. I, yeah, go on. Well, I won it with uh, Dylan O'Connor. Did you? Yeah. I don't know. The what time you? before. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, oh, yeah. You did. Yeah. I've forgotten about that. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, oh, double okay. crown. Maybe we can make it a triple next year. <laughs> All right. Okay. Shall we, uh, shall we pull this thing to a close? Right. It's, uh, okay. It's 11 o'clock. Yeah. I'd yeah. be a show to that from upstairs as well. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to? Um, I'm sure everyone knows. Do you want to give a quick shout to where people can find you online? Yeah. Um, Grainy Blur on Instagram and Flickr. Uh, no, and Twitter and just well, yeah. Alex Purcell. I'm sure it will cool. find it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, cool. And you can find me um, most places Neil underscore Piper. Uh, if you want to look at the show's Instagram, that's Soot and Whitewash. Uh, if you want to contact the show, Soot and Whitewash at gmail dot com. I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod uh, for the music, the intro and the outro, uh, music that I use at the beginning and end of the show every week. And that's about it. And that's timed quite well because I just got a test message from my wife basically saying, where the hell are you? <laughs> right. So on that note, we should call it a day. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks, Al, for joining me. Oh, and uh, awesome. we'll do Cheers. this again sometime. Look forward to Cheers it. Cheers. Bye. Right, right, Cheers. Bye. Thank you.
I think that was all right, wasn't it? Yeah, it was good. Cool. Yeah, good yeah, stuff. Right. I, I generally have got a uh, message from Ash saying, like, because yeah. I'm not at home. I, you, you, I sort of took the opportunity to go to my in-laws and use their quiet house. So she's like, ah. gone to bed. Where are you? <laughs> oh, God. I, and I'm literally being shouted at now down the stairs. So, uh, are you ready? <laughs> go. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had, um, I was speaking to, uh, I said I was talking to Mike earlier and uh, he was like, oh, as I said, I was waiting, I was waiting on you. He's like, oh, have you finally convinced him to, to co-host a show? It's like, no, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe yet. We still, we still will. We'll still be yeah. oh, So I was, I was actually like on like serious now. I was thinking about this um, maybe earlier, earlier today, like, because when I, when I first started the show, it was like, yeah, I'm going to just do this as and when I can be bothered or when I've got something to talk about. And like in the early days, like I had something to talk about all the time. Like, so I was putting out like a show each week, but I was sort of pre-recording them like one after another and then sort of putting them out and putting them out and putting them out. And then I sort of, then I eventually got sort of quite busy with uni and with everything else. And they sort of got put on the back burner. And like now, now that I've finished uni, like, I'm sort of working like a couple of jobs and there's like family and all that, that cool stuff. But so I'm yeah. getting very little time for, to actually go out and shoot anything or even to sort of process anything or even do like any research into projects and stuff. Right. And I was thinking what I, what I'd quite like to do with the show is um, like if obviously if you're not, if you don't want to, that's absolutely fine. But like, if like we could maybe like, once every sort of three or four weeks like just schedule like a conversation to see like what we've been doing and sort of help me at least to actually do something so that i actually had something to talk about right yeah that's that sounds cool um i i kind of struggle with the idea that um well i don't know just because i don't have a particularly um artistic mindset for for what I'm doing, so it's kind of I you know I love what I'm what I'm doing is so important to me, and I'm really driven to do it all the time, and mm. I kind of don't think about an awful lot else. Or well, I spend a lot of time, a lot of it, you know, a lot of every day thinking about photography, and and it's you know important as but just as it's just you know it's just playtime really. I'm just playing at something that's just but fun that- to do. But that's that's ideal because I've kind of lost that, right? Well, maybe yeah, maybe we can sort of talk about that another time, just having like future chats and stuff. But yeah. that'd be cool if we're up for that. Yeah, 